So if you remember from last week, if you were here, uh, we're doing a sermon series on 1 Corinthians and diving into what exactly the letter has to say, trying to figure out what are those weird things that are going on actually meaning, and some of those things that we think we know that are going on and finding out that really they're pretty weird. Um, and so I must say that this is one that uh, usually we don't run into idle meat around 21st century America. So I, I think we should dive in a little bit and see what exactly is going on. Um, let me just remind you from last week uh, that the Corinthian church, we looked last week, there's this giant fault running right down the middle of it. There's this minority of folks who are elites, who have money, who have education, who have power, and there's the majority of folks who don't. And there's a lot of conflict between them, and that's one of the main things that Paul is addressing in this letter. And so, let us take a look. So, now, concerning meat that has been sacrificed to a false god, you'll remember this, because this is part of what we just read. We know that all have knowledge. So this word that's knowledge here is the same word as we looked at last week of wisdom. So remember, uh, wisdom is, means, in the ancient world, philosophical education, and that is a classed thing. Only rich people, for the most part, get philosophical education. So, we're tying it back to, this is chapter 8, we're tying it back seven chapters ago, making all those interconnections. So, we know that we all have knowledge. Knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds people up. Remember that last sentence, that's going to come back later. Knowledge makes people arrogant, but love builds people up. So, valuing love over knowledge here. So concerning the actual food involved in these sacrifices to false gods, we know that a false god isn't anything in this world and that there is no god except the one god. Granted, there are many so-called gods in heaven and on earth as there are many gods and many lords. So, right, so he's making this claim. So people talk about gods, but... They don't really exist. But it, so the thing is, is that's a little, bit, a little bit not quite what's going on is because Paul, for Paul, he, uh, being 2,000 years ago, he has a little different view of the world than we do, and he thinks that the gods that like the Romans are worshiping, for example, are uh, basically lesser angelic beings, so like uh, demons kind of thing. Um, and so we're saying... There is no God, no almighty top, top dog, except for the one God. Granted, there are many so-called gods. And then for him, um, they're really demons. However, for us believers, and then note, he switches to poetry. He's going to give us a hymn from the early church. And, and, and so that's kind of like me preaching and then starting to say, well, but friends, you remember that amazing grace, how sweet that sound has saved a wretch like me. You know, this kind of weaving it into this, this discussion. However, for us believers 
And here comes the hymn, there is one God the Father. All things come from him and to him we belong. So, right, so the source and, uh, and the owner of us because he's the creator. And there is one Lord Jesus Christ. All things exist through him and we live through him. So kind of this life force coursing through us and sustaining us. But not everybody knows this. Not everybody in the Corinthian church knows this. Some Corinthian Christians are eating this food as though it is really food sacrificed to a real idol because they were used to idol worship until now. Their conscience is weak because it's been damaged. So first of all, take a look at that last sentence with me. Um, they're reading this to the entire congregation. So let's say y'all are the, the rich, rich, strong, etc. Y'all are the weak ones. And I'm like, you know, those weak people, <laughs> they're, they're kind of just messed up. They, they, they're not getting it. They're stupid. They're out of it. But it's, hey, everybody, how are you doing, right? It's, <laughs> you're reading the whole thing to everybody. So that's kind of a little condescending, meaning really quite condescending and uh, not very nice because they're sitting right there. But let's take a look at the earlier part. So, what's the issue here? Is that some of these Christians, let me back up. So Paul says, right, just before this, there really isn't any other God. There's just the God, just our God. That's it. So if you're sacrificing stuff to somebody else, it doesn't matter because they don't, they're not a God, so it doesn't really count. And so, but some people in the community are eating it as though it were really happening. And so, you know, what we need to do is dive in a little bit into ancient food and menus to really figure out what's happening. So, poor people in the Greco-Roman world and much of ancient history uh, had a very boring diet so today, poor people uh, may not have a lot of access to healthy food and such, but they, they can have a variety of what they're eating. Uh, in the ancient world, basically, if you're poor, you eat the same thing every day. You eat porridge-like, gruelly, mush kind of something or other. And if you uh, go out and forage it, you can maybe throw a little vegetables in or tubers or plants or something every single day. And if uh, you are not getting enough of your wheat or whatever you're making the gruel from, then you're going to starve or you can try and eat the grass. You know, it's not a particularly pretty uh, setup for them, let's say. Uh, so the danger for them is not being unhealthy. It's starving to death. And so down the rich this half of the room, apparently. The poor, the rich, right? So um, we're, uh, we divided earlier, right? All right. You guys are standing in as Corinthians, not anyway. Okay, so the rich get way more variety. They have these lavish dinner parties with tons of different dishes and foods. And what do they have wrapped in there? They've got meat. Really? So here, meat is the only thing we're talking about is 
meet. And so the question is, so these poor are eating meat and they're not okay with it because they think it's been tainted because it's been sacrificed to another god. So when do the poor eat meat if they're porridgey gruel stuff every day? So they eat meat at city festivals. So we have these festivals, I mean, our society, we have festivals like Martin Luther King Day and Memorial Day and Fourth of July, there's a lot of meat, right? You've got these festivals and in the ancient world they celebrated them as cities and one thing they did during these festivals was have a lot of sacrifices to, you know, please the gods. And I I think we need to dive in just a second to sacrifice in the ancient world. At least in my mind, when I think of sacrifice, I think of like we take a lamb or something and put it on the altar and burn it all up. Um, That's not a very smart way to do it because you just wasted a whole lamb. And so really, a sacrifice in the ancient world was basically a barbecue of you take a whole animal and you go and roast it and then some of the parts that you probably wouldn't want to eat anyway you completely burn up, but then 90% of the stuff, you get some fresh meat out of it, and you get to have a delicious meal. And so these festivals are happening in the cities, and they have these big sacrifices. And that's the only time that the poor get to eat meat. And now these big festivals, if you're doing sacrifices, you have to sacrifice to somebody, right? You're gonna, not just going to sacrifice into the cosmos, you're going to say, oh, Demeter, or Zeus, or Apollos. We're going to sacrifice to them so that we can get their favor. So these poorer folks, remember, they don't have the philosophical education, so they weren't tracking with Paul when he was making his philosophical point about there not being other gods, right? So uneducated poor folk are at these festivals And they're like, we could eat meat, and that'd be a great change and give me some protein. But it was just sacrifice to this other god. What do we do? And um, so here's the issue, too, is that if you walk into a butcher shop in the ancient world, the vast majority of what's there is previously sacrificed. And so... You basically can't just say, oh, I'm going to avoid whatever it is because you'll never know what was or wasn't sacrificed. If you're going to say, I'm not going to eat idol meat, then you're saying, I'm not going to eat meat, period. And so for the poor, the only chance to eat meat is through these festivals and these big city-wide sacrifices to the pagan gods. And it's conflicting them because they don't know if they should go along with it and, you know, not starve to death, or if they shouldn't, because it's really this pagan other thing we don't want to be involved with. So, they're eating this food as if it's sacrificed to a real idol. Their conscience is weak, because it's been damaged, so 
meaning they don't track with my philosophical argument, so I'm going to make fun of them. All right. Food won't bring us close to God. We're not missing out if we don't eat. And we don't have any advantage if we do eat. So, right, so he's saying it, it doesn't matter whether you do or don't eat it. It's, it's all neutral. It doesn't, I don't care. God doesn't care. But watch out or else this freedom of yours might be a problem for those who are weak. So, right, you saying, the, the rich are saying, you know, we can eat it. It's no problem. The gods don't exist. It's, it's just normal meat. We're fine eating it. Watch out or else this freedom might become a problem for them. Suppose someone sees you, someone who's the weak, the poor, this, this side. The person who is, suppose someone sees you, the person who has knowledge, eating, remember, philosophical education is what knowledge means, right? So, eating at an idol's temple. Won't the person with a weak conscience be encouraged to eat that meat that's sacrificed to the false gods? The weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge, your wisdom, your, I've figured it out, your philosophizing. So real quick, let's dive in just the idol's temple. So for the rich, the major way in the, great, in the Greco-Roman world to gain social status was through these dinner parties. You threw these lavish parties and you got a reputation and you got honor from it. And so that's how you maintain what's going on in your social status. That's how you climb the social ladder and make sure you stay up there, is have these dinner parties. And, you know, if when you cook the meat is in the temple, then it doesn't make sense to take it across town. You just throw the dinner party in the temple. And so there's a lot, very often, that happens at the temples, is these big dinner parties exclusively with the elite to bolster their social status. And so if you decided I couldn't attend those because I was going to be eating this meat, that would be social suicide, right? You can't go up the social ladder anymore through these dinner parties. And so your wisdom, your knowledge, your philosophical education that you're so proud of, your intellectual argument that there's no other gods besides God, so it doesn't matter, just destroyed your weak brother or sister. You sin against Christ if you sin against your brothers and sisters and hurt their weak consciences this way. This is why, and this is Paul's, Paul's position and what he's arguing for, this is why if food causes the downfall of my brother or sister, I won't eat meat ever again, or else I may cause my brother or sister to fall. So if you follow this direction, you can't climb the social ladder because you're helping take care of these folks, of the weaker, of the poorer. Your knowledge and your freedom 
can't trump building community of loving, of caring regard for your fellow human. Our individual morality or righteousness falls short when it's at somebody else's expense. You can't have this righteousness by throwing someone else under the bus. And so I used to work at Whole Foods. Last year, I worked at Whole Foods. I was a fishmonger, uh, which is an excellent title. That was the best part of that job. Um, and, and so Whole Foods, uh, some of you may know, so it's very into this, you know, food justice issues, you know, uh, raising animals ethically for, for that, you know, rate, being transparent and rating how well the animals were uh, stocked, um, uh, raised, being good about seafood and what seafood you buy. It's excellent in terms of that stuff. And it's also very expensive. There's this caricature of the Whole Foods market shopper, right? I'm, I'm sure even if you're not that familiar, you've heard this caricature at least before of, you know, this righteous food justice warrior who's, you know, making sure I'm only going to eat the most ethically raised animals and, and all that stuff, or even don't eat animals. And, you know, if anybody else is buying stuff from these slaughterhouses that don't raise them well, I'm going to rip into them because they are destroying the planet, and I'm righteous, and, you know, I am going to make sure that everybody changes the system by eating better. You've heard at least that, that vein before, right? Now, the thing is, in order to do this, and Whole Foods has to have much more expensive prices than, say, Albertsons. Um, and so not everybody can afford to shop there. And more than just I'm choosing to spend my income that way, if you are a poor person, you cannot afford to shop there, period. You can't choose to buy ethically raised meat or fish or whatnot. And so just like this passage, it's this classed distinction of you're so righteous and you're going to make sure, gosh darn it, everybody else eats well too and is righteous in that. And in doing so, these folks who are poorer and of a lower class than you are thrown under the bus. Or me, for example, I, I, many of you are probably familiar with uh, some of the issues that people have with Walmart. I, I'm one of those people and very much don't like shopping there because of, you know, how little they pay employees, etc. And I know within myself, I just don't feel good when I see Walmart is one of the most popular chain stores in America. And, it, and it's like, don't go in there! And yet, this is where many poor people need to go to shop to be able to survive. And so my impulse to denigrate people based on just going into Walmart when that might be a classed thing 
He's throwing them under the bus. And so, may you deeply consider your just and righteous and moral actions in the course of your life. May you deeply consider them. May you deeply discern what is just and right. And may you not lose sight of the greatest commandment to love your neighbor in doing so. May you learn how to hold these two together. May it be so. All right, we're going to pass on our last song because it's uh, so late. Uh, so may you go in peace. And if you have feedback on circling up at the end or flowers or the discussion groups, make sure to grab Chris. Go in peace.